You are listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. All right, y'all. Well, we are starting a new series today. It's been a while since we've done a series that goes across a few weeks, but um, today we're starting a new series called Fighting Temptation. Who saw that Cuba Gooding Jr. movie, Fighting, The Fighting Temptations, right? Yeah, right. Awesome. It's not that. It's not that. I'm, I'm, I'm no Cuba Gooding Jr. Um, <laughs> bomb. Bomb joke. Um, <laughs> Temptation is something that is a key part of our human experience. Would you agree? Uh, Whether you're young and you're tempted to cheat in class, or you're an adult and you're tempted to cheat on your spouse, whether you're a toddler who's tempted to eat another cookie when mom isn't watching, right, Or you're older and you're tempted to hide the empty alcohol bottles where your family won't find them until trash day comes, right? Like, maybe you can't stop looking at that thing you really want to buy on your computer that you don't have the money for and it's dominating your thoughts. Like, I cannot relate to that one at all, especially as a guitar player. I have like eight guitars, and my wife is like, you can only play one at a time, right? Like, come on. (laughs) Or maybe at night, you're alone, and you're tempted to go down an even darker path on your computer, right? Uh, We all face it, and none of us win the fight all the time, right? Whether it's uh, temptation to give in to worry or anxiety or, or to spend money we don't have, or look one last long time at an inappropriate photo on social media, temptation is everywhere. And the urge to give in can be very strong, right? And so the question we're asking today and through this series is how do we begin to fight back? How do we fight back? Well, A practical thing believers can always do when they don't know how to handle something is look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. How did Jesus handle this situation or particular thing? Almost ask ourselves the question, what would Jesus do? Who had one of those bracelets? Okay, just checking. Uh, How did Jesus handle this situation or particular thing? Now, Jesus didn't have in-laws, so if that's your problem, you're out of luck, right? My in-laws are great, so I don't have that problem, but if your in-laws are your problem, sorry. Um, Now, Jesus, uh, but Jesus, as we know, was fully God and fully human, right? And he experienced the fullness of humanity, which means even Jesus faced temptation, Right? So we're going to take a look at Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to read them from the NIV. And uh, this, is, this is the account of Jesus' temptation. And each week, we're going to come back to these verses. And we're going to break them down piece by piece. And so um, we're going to just read the whole temptation account right now. 
Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city, and he had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and he will lift you up in their hands, and so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put your, the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the splendor. All this I will give you. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended to him. We live in an age where everyone is fighting for followers instead of friends. Where influence is more sought after than intimacy. Where counsel is given not within the context of a trusted relationship, but from someone we don't even know within the confines of an Instagram reel. In so many ways, relevancy is the currency of our day. And if we aren't striving for relevancy ourselves, it's likely that many of us are hanging on every word of someone who is deemed relevant, right? And it's not all bad. I don't want to make it sound like it's all bad. But when our lives become out of balance and we um, keep on typing or scrolling to fill the silence and find, to find our next hit of relevancy, there is a problem. But the temptation doesn't stop at being relevant the temptation can also be to do something relevant, right? To step up and change things, right? To fix the problems of the world, because we know best. If we were in control, things would be different, right? To work hard and make our church or company big because bigger me means we must be doing something right, right? To make sure our families have everything they could possibly want by working a 90-hour work week. The temptation of doing something relevant isn't new. It's not new. Even Jesus faced it. And in this very practical 
way, I might add. I want to read again verses 1 through 4. Verses 1 through 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered him, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on the very word that comes from the mouth of God. In this passage, Jesus follows the lead of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. I think that's very important to point out. Jesus follows the lead of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus was about to begin his ministry at this point in the gospel, and instead of diving in head first, he took a... Was that me? Okay. I'm just going to go on. <laughs> Jesus was... a about to begin his ministry at this point in the gospel. And instead of diving in head first, he took a significant period of time to fast and pray. And during this period of time, God is going to allow Jesus to be tempted by the devil for the same reason God allows us to be tempted, to strengthen our dependence on him, right? And, and, and I think verse 2 is one of the most profound but also kind of funny verses in the Bible, right? Uh, it says, after fasting 40 days and for 40 nights, he was hungry. Well, yeah, right? 40 days, 40 nights? Like, I'd be ready for a pizza by then. Like, come on. And I think... After 40 days of fasting, like any of us, duh, would be hungry, right? We would be hungry. But the profound thing is, is that Jesus was the Son of God, fully man and fully God, and he experienced every aspect of humanity, even hunger, right? Jesus knows what it's like to be hungry, right? He knows what it's like to experience grief. He, he experienced every piece of humanity that we experience, right? And right as Jesus' body was in a depleted state, look who comes around the corner. The tempter, the devil, right? The devil comes to Jesus. See, the enemy knows when we are in a vulnerable place and that we are most susceptible to give in to temptation, right? And then something very interesting happens. The tempter comes, and he came and said to him, if you are, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. See, the devil will always try to get you to doubt your identity in God. You are a son, if you are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ and have accepted him as your savior, you are a son and a daughter of God. And the devil will get you, he will start by trying to get you to doubt that. 
if he can get you to doubt that, everything else is a piece of cake. If he can plant those seeds of doubt, he knows it's just downhill from there. Not only does the devil tempt Jesus to doubt his identity, but he tempts Jesus to do something relevant, right? He tempts Jesus to use his power to feed himself, which doesn't sound like a big deal. I mean, Jesus would feed the 5,000 later on in his ministry, right? There were several accounts of Jesus feeding people, right? Why not turn some stones into bread and fill your belly, right? I know you're hungry. I mean, you can't get more relevant than that, being hungry and wanting to feed yourself, right? No one is watching. It's just you and me here, right? I won't tell anyone. If you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. There's no reason why you should suffer like this, right? It's so sly and feels like not a big deal, right? But God brought Jesus out to the wilderness for a purpose. And Jesus knew that even with his body in a weakened state, like Jesus knew the purpose of being there, right? And it wasn't to exercise his heavenly authority. I bet anyone who has visited a third world country wishes that they could turn stones into bread and feed those starving people. You can't get more relevant than that, than feeding someone who's hungry. In fact, the Bible calls us to do that, right? It calls us to do that. The temptation in relevancy is that we can begin to make decisions and act out of our relevant experiences and knowledge and opinions rather than our deep-centered relationship with God. This is how Jesus knew the difference in motivation behind this relevant act. That's why Jesus' response is, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus recognized the motivation behind this temptation of relevancy. He didn't lean on his own knowledge or personal experience. Jesus leaned into his deep-centered relationship with God. So how do we begin to fight this temptation to be relevant or to do relevant things? How do we know the difference between when it's time to act and when it's time to wait? Because Doing relevant things is obviously not always bad, especially when it's done out of care for another person or people group for that matter. But it's when, it's when we are trying to do things and be relevant out of our own ego, desire for control or personal drive that things begin to go astray. 
Are you with me still? It's getting real quiet, so I just want to make sure. This is how Jesus knew the difference. And, and like, this is what the devil is tempting Jesus to do, is to act out of his own ego, act out of his own personal drive or desire for control. This is what the enemy is trying to tempt Jesus to do. It, it's our deep-centered relationship with Jesus that will help us know the difference of when it's time to act and when it's time to wait. The one thing that can help us develop that centered relationship is what the early church fathers called contemplative prayer. Contemplative prayer is when you aren't doing anything but being with Jesus, but being with Jesus. You don't have to say a lot of words. You don't have to memorize a whole bunch of scriptures or written prayers. You just spend time centering yourself in the presence of God, spending time allowing yourself to become fully aware that God is with you always. A lot of times I find this helpful to do before I do my, my daily devotion or during a break in my schedule or sometimes right before I go to bed is just centering myself in the presence of God. Um, and this time of contemplative prayer, like, like it may sound weird just like being in the presence of Jesus, but here's the thing is that like there's a time for doing but there's also a really deeply needed in our lives time of being. I often, many times, like, okay, Jason, like, you're, you're talking about just being with God. Like, just be quiet before God? Yes. Make yourself aware of the presence of God, that he is always near. He's not a far off, distant God. He is near. Making yourself still before him. And like I have ADHD. And so like lots of times my thoughts, like especially in times like this, like all of a sudden I'm like, I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. And I'm, I'm just like quiet, you know. And then all of a sudden I'm thinking about what we need at the grocery store, right? Or um, you know, the, the car needs, um, needs some fluid in it. I got I to gotta remember to get that. And that's going to happen. Absolutely, that will happen. But here's the thing is don't let that allow you to go astray off of your time. You just recenter. You just like recognize it and recenter yourself. There's a, there's a like, I, I like to have like a callback phrase or something like that. It, that may not work for you, but it works for me. And I, I just simply like, like recognize that I'm thinking about Kim's car and not being in the presence of God. And I, and I say like, thank you, Jesus. Just something simple like that. Thank you, Jesus. Or maybe quote a, a simple scripture that you are kin to like, um, but just refocus yourself on the presence of God and his nearness. 
That's how I redirect my thoughts back into the contemplative prayer. Spending time in contemplative prayer is a simple way, really simple way to begin to deepen your relationship with God. And through this relationship, the Lord will reveal to you when it's time to wait and when it's time to act because there is a balance. There is a balance. One thing I don't want you to walk away from this thinking is that Jesus, uh, Jesus, that Jason, rather, told us that we don't have to feed the hungry or do relevant things, because that's not what I'm saying. We are absolutely called to do that. And in an ideal world, I feel like the church should be one of the most relevant places for people to find healing and, you know... um, Anyways, I won't talk anymore about that because I'll go off, a ta- off on a tangent. But all I'm saying is there's, there's, there is a balance. Jesus balanced his doing with his being with the Father. If you look through the Gospels, the, the accounts of Jesus' life and ministry, there were constantly times where he was doing, and then he would go away and be with his Father, and he would be in prayer, and then he would come back to his doing. And that's how he centered himself in his doing with his being. That's how we know when we're supposed to act is by centering ourselves in relationship with the Father. You know, one thing that we don't talk about a lot in the church is that, that Jesus didn't heal everybody he encountered. Like lots of times he did heal people. You know, he healed a lot of people in the gospel, but not everybody got healed. Not everybody Jesus encountered got fed. He fed a lot of people, like maybe 10,000 plus people, but he didn't feed everybody. And we see throughout the ministry of Jesus that his doing was balanced out by his being. And so that's what I'm challenging you today is that I, I want to challenge you this week. If this contemplative prayer sounds weird to you, which that's okay. It was kind of weird for me too at first. But I want to challenge you this week to five minutes a day. Five minutes. Just start there. Five minutes a day. Just center yourself in being with Jesus. You don't have to say a lot. You don't have to do a lot. When you find your thoughts going astray, just bring them on back. Center your doing in your being and see what happens. See what happens in when you feel tempted. Because I firmly believe that contemplative prayer, being with Jesus, helps us know what to do in times of temptation. I firmly believe that. Just being aware of the presence of God. Five minutes a day. This week, I want to challenge all of you to try that. Because he's near. He's not a distant, far-off God. He's with you, and the Holy Spirit will direct you. And I want to end with this quote as the worship team comes. I want to end with this quote 
from the 5th century church father, Augustine. He struck the perfect balance between prayer and practical engagement when he said this. And it's this. No man has a right to lead such a life of contemplation as to forget in his own ease the service due to his neighbor. Nor has any man a right to be so immersed in active life as to neglect the contemplation of God. It's balance. And when we are balanced, we are less likely to succumb to temptation and it becomes easier to fight back. I think I'm done. <laughs> Let's pray. Holy Father. Holy Son. Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray right now that anything I've said that's not of you, would just fall off and people would forget it, Lord. Father, but I pray, Lord, that anything that is of you would stick and grow legs in their life. Father, we're all tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. Father, we let us know, God, that you're with us, Lord, that you're near. Help us to balance our being with our doing, Lord. Let our doing come from our being. us in a mighty way to bring your kingdom to the earth, Lord. Lord, but not out of ego or self-drivenness, Lord, but because we want everyone on earth to know Jesus to know the peace that we found, to know the love and joy that we found, even amidst temptation and even amidst struggle and strife, Lord, that you are with us. Help us not to doubt our identity in you. Father, I pray blessings over this family. Lord, in the week to come, Lord, may you reveal yourself in new ways to each and every one of them. We 
We love you, Lord, and it's in the mighty name of Jesus we pray and everybody said, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.